morning truth. This morning, I want to answer a question that we received in regards to the difference between joy and happiness. Did you know there is no explicit difference between happiness and joy? Both involve emotions, both are pleasurable feelings, and both are mentioned in scripture in passages that equate the two, not separate the two. The definition of happiness is a state of well-being a pleasurable or satisfying experience. And the definition of the word joy is to feel great delight, to be glad. Now, depending on the translation of the Bible, the Bible uses the words happy and happiness, joy and rejoice, collectively over 330 times. Jeremiah 31, 13 says, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Here we see the words gladness and joy are used synonymously. If we turn to Proverbs 23, 25, the scripture says, let your father and mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Being glad is the same thing as rejoicing in this verse, showing us that joy and happiness are linked. The common belief among believers is that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Some choose to believe that happiness is worldly while joy is divine. You know, sometimes we as believers want to be more intense than God and deeper than Jesus. And I say that because according to the scriptures, there is no distinction made between happiness and joy. If a person is joyful, then he or she is happy. We cannot drain the joy of emotion and still call it joy. Yes, the Spirit of God gives us joy, which means Christians should be cheerful, joyful, happy, in our character as we walk out our everyday lives. In James 1 and 2, the scripture says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Christians, believers, and those who believe and trust in God can be happy in the midst of difficulties because we know that testing of our faith produces endurance. When I say that we can be happy in the midst of difficulties, that is the joy. You've never seen someone be joy in the joyous without being happy. Joy is sometimes also presented as true contentment based on faith. Happiness, in contrast, is often thought of as a false or superficial emotion depending on the circumstances. This, too, is a false dichotomy. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that we should separate joy from happiness. The two are equal. So go ahead, be happy. It's God approved. So you're probably thinking, Pastor, why are we making a big deal about the differences between joy and happiness? Because I don't want you to, for one moment, think that you have to trade one for the other. 
it is godly for you to have both joy and happiness. Yes, happiness is about self-pleasure, but that is not a bad thing. We tend to exclusively relate self-pleasure to sin because we have allowed the minds of the world to carnally affect our process of thinking. But there is a such thing as godly self-pleasure. As God wants us to take care of ourselves, enjoy life, relax, take vacations, laugh. Happiness tends to require some external engagement, while joy, yes, is derived from our souls. Happiness comes from outside things. Joy comes from the inner self. But it doesn't make happiness less valuable than joy. Some of us are happy and happiest when we spend time with our family. Some of us are happy at amusement parks. Some of us are happy when we travel and explore new places. Some of us are happy just sitting in a chair, getting a pedicure, having a facial done, reading a good book. And there's nothing wrong with this form of happiness. There's nothing wrong with a happiness that does not violate the mandates of God. The bottom line is most want to specifically align joy with holiness. When all joy, if truth be told, is not necessarily holy, although it comes from our inner selves. In Hebrews 11.25, the scripture tells us there is a joy that comes from the world also. And it refers to it as the fleeting pleasures of sin. We have to be mindful that some of our inner selves have been so tainted with sin that our souls have become contented engaging in sin. And if truth be told, some of us experience happiness and even joy in our sin because we have justified our sins in our soul, in our inner being. A godly joy which exudes from our soul embraces the fruit of the Spirit of God that is outlined in Galatians 5, 22, which are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The words faithfulness and forbearance are the two components that exude the Spirit of God and make us uncomfortable with sin and with anything that goes against the will of God. For the faithfulness spoken of is our faithfulness to God. And the word forbearance references restraint, our ability to refrain from becoming comfortable with what is displeasing to God. There is temporary happiness and eternal happiness. And both can be godly. We don't need to split hairs between the meaning of joy and happiness. We just need to be watchful and mindful of where our joy and happiness 
comes from. Are we happy in the Lord or are we content with the happiness the world affords us? You know, Solomon tried the world's brand of happiness and found it to be lacking. In Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon wrote a letter. And I want you to listen closely as I read excerpts from that letter. It starts off with, I, I said to myself, come now, be merry, enjoy yourself to the full. But I found that this too was futile, for it is silly to be laughing all the time. What good does it do? So after a lot of thinking, I decided to try the road of drink while still holding steadily to my course of seeking wisdom. Next, I changed my course again and followed the path of folly so that I could experience the only happiness most men have through their lives. Then I tried to find fulfillment by inaugurating a great public works program, homes, vineyard, gardens, parks, orchards for myself and reservoirs to hold water to irrigate my plantations. Next, I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born within my household. I also bred great herds of flocks, more than any of the kings before me. I collected silver and gold as taxes from many kings and provinces. In the cultural arts, I organized men and women choirs and orchestras. And then there were my many beautiful concubines. I became greater than any of the kings in Jerusalem before me. And with it all, I remained clear-eyed so that I could evaluate all things. Anything I wanted, I took and did not restrain myself from any joy. I even found great pleasure in hard work. This pleasure was indeed my only reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had tried, it was all so useless, a chasing of the wind, and there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Now I began to study the comparative virtues of wisdom and folly, and anyone else would come to the same conclusion that wisdom is of more value than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man sees while the fool is blind, and yet I noticed that there was one thing that happened to wise and foolish alike. Just as the fool will die, so will I. So what value is all of my wisdom? Then I realized that even wisdom is futile. For the wise and the fools both die. And in the days to come, both will be long forgotten. So now I hate life because it is all so irrational. All is foolish chasing the wind. And I'm disgusted about this, that I must leave the fruits of all of my work to others. And who can tell whether my son will be a wise man or a fool? And yet I have all of this, and it will be given to him. How discouraging. So I turn in despair 
from hard work as the answer to my search for satisfaction. For though I spend my life searching for wisdom, knowledge, and skill, I must leave all of it to someone who hasn't done a day's work in his life. He inherits my efforts free of charge. This is not only foolish but unfair. So what does a man get for all of his hard work? Days full of sorrow and grief and restless, bitter nights. It's all utterly ridiculous. So I decided that there was nothing better for a man to do than to enjoy his food, his drink, and his job. Then I realized even this pleasure is from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy apart from him? God gives those who please him wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away from him and gives it to those who please him. So here, too, we see an example of foolishly chasing the wind. Solomon takes you through a process of his life as he's thinking back on his life, on the sins and things that he engaged in, that he thought was going to give him that ultimate pleasure. The thing that he thought was going to bring him joy. And then he came to realize that even the things that he thought was going to bring him joy, that it was all God that was allowing him the activity of his limbs to be able to even execute his sins. And then he decided, the best thing that I can do, the only thing that makes sense is to align my will, my ways with the word of God. That's where the happiness and the joy is stored in the things of God. Solomon was the richest man to ever live and was famous for his wisdom. Even in today's economy, Solomon's financial empire would outmatch any Fortune 500 company revenues and eclipsed the richest person's net worth. In human terms, Solomon was the richest, most successful person who ever lived. But with all that wisdom and wealth, he had to get real with himself and acknowledge that the joy of the world is hollow. The happiness that the world prioritizes in the trends and in the popularity of things And in the voices of people over the righteousness of God does not satisfy one's entire being. But it's the happiness and the joy that one receives in basking in the wills and the ways of God. That they will find mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically satisfying. We tend to focus too much of our precious time and talents on things that mean nothing to God, things we cannot enter into his kingdom with, temporal things, temporal opinions, temporal likes. My dad used to say, you know why you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul? Because nothing the world has to offer can we take it with us. 
It's the happiness and the joy of the Lord that aligns with his will and his ways. That is truly where we can find richness and abundance. It's in the joy and happiness of the Lord that we can walk in peace in the midst of our storms. It is the joy and happiness of the Lord that solidifies our faith in his omnipresence, his omniscience, and his omnipotent character. Know that he is always with you, regardless of what it looks like. Know that he knows how to figure out, and he has the answers to what we cannot comprehend. Know that God is all-powerful. So in our weakest moments, his power is what will prevail. His grace and his mercy is what will see us through and bless us. This morning, I urge you to shift your focus to the joy and the happiness that is pleasing and acceptable to God so that his presence, his knowledge, his power will reign mightily in your now, in your presence, in your life, as you live out your lives daily. In Matthew 6 and 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto him, unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. True joy, true happiness comes from keeping the main thing, the main thing. And our main thing should be God. Remember, when you start your day with truth, blessings throughout the remainder of the day is inevitable. And when you commit your heart and mind to the studying of the word of God, you lay a foundation for uncompromised joy. Be blessed. Yeah.